Welcome back to Making Conversations Count with me, Wendy Harris. I've been looking into creating an online course and whilst doing an online course standalone seems like a wonderful cash machine in the corner, it's not for everybody. And as I've discovered as I've been creating my own online course, that is not the way that it's going to work best for me for now. But on that journey of discovery, I was looking to talk to experts about the best ways of doing things and how to get it to sell and why it may not sell. So if you've been thinking about creating an online course, you really do need to listen to what's coming up next. We're going to be making conversations about online courses count. What's new, Wendy Woo? Well, we're getting rather social here at Making Conversations Count. We're already encouraging you to connect with us, with me on LinkedIn personally. And we've got a Facebook page for the podcast because Facebook are very kindly helping to push podcasts at the moment. We've got a feed on Twitter and we twit a little bit, but we've also got an Instagram channel where we'll be using guest episodes and some of our favourite quotes from those conversations. So go check us out over on Insta. All the links are on our website, all the W's, making conversations count. We're going to be making conversations about online courses count with Tom Libbelt. It's interesting because you can go through life and I had a quick peek at some of the things that you've done which is really kind of cool and I just thought you know what you kind of get to an age where you just you know you just know stuff it's because you've been there you've done it you've bought the t-shirt you've changed the design a few times if you're a lady like me I go up and down a size you know so I have to have more than one t-shirt and uh, <laughs> I find it really hard to hold back telling people what they need to hear sometimes because that's what I know. I don't charge for it. It's just what I know. If that one piece of advice can help them to move on and do something with it, and it's not really good business advice, is it, to sort of not charge for it. But hey, I like to be a good human being. Yeah, I've done my advice giving for the most part. Now I try not to. Now, unless like we go over a specific scenario, I might tell them some of the ways I think about it, but not really into advice giving anymore. And I hate blanket advice. I hate when someone says something like, oh, you know, this works and you should just do it. No, no, cold showers and saving $5 on coffee. They will not grow my business. Trust me on that. (laughs) Oh, hang on. (laughs) You forgot the bit that says you've got to have the cold shower at 5 a.m. Well, yeah, yeah. It's not that. that <laughs> we've, all, we've all been there, right? <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah, but it's like this just blanket advice, right? Just copy habits of millionaires. It's like, no, those habits you kind of start doing as millionaire. There's a lot to be said. And I've got a good friend and previous guest, Heidi, and she talks about this. You do need help building a business. Agreed. We can't do everything ourselves. We need help building the business we want to have, not what those people that where they do their expertise want to imprint on us. We have to manage the right people to get the job done how we want it seen. You need a team. You need consultants. You need people above you. If you don't, you're a freelancer. You got yourself a good job. You know, that's what a lot of people do. They just created a really good position for themselves, but they can't take a vacation. They can't sell it. They often can't move up or scale because they're the bottleneck. And for all those things, (laughs) you need people. You definitely need people. But, you know, if you come asking me for advice, what should I do this or that? I don't know. I never know. Like, I'm not you. You know, like, I actually don't like business advice. Like, I barely ever ask for it unless it's okay. I'm having a problem with Facebook. They messed up the accounts again. You know, this whole new pixel thing and how do I fix this thing? Can you do it for me? Here's some money, go away. Tell me when it's done. Right. That's a completely different thing than what most people ask. What niche should I go into? How am I supposed to know? What kind of business should I build? Well, 
how do you want to live? You know, who do you want to live? Do you want to achieve? What do you want to achieve? Yeah. Well, the chief thing usually just comes up to like, I just want to make this much, right? I want that, you know, but there's no actual like criteria of what I do and don't want to do, you know, and, and often if you don't have that, you grow a business that you start hating after a while. I'll give you an example. We have this agency that's just a cash cow and I don't want to grow it because if I grow it, I'm going to have to manage more people, more clients, and my margins will die. So no. And every consultant comes up to me asking me if I want more leads or how to grow my agency. I'm like, stop. I never asked you for that because I don't want to do it. Now with my new businesses, we are building stuff that we can sell. And I'll just give you criteria for that. No phone calls from me. I'm not fulfilling anything. It needs to be systemized, SOP. I need to be able to bring someone up the street, train them to do it. We need recurring revenue and we need multiple, not broke clients. We don't want to work with anyone broke. You know how that goes. <laughs> yeah. And we want to sell it. That's it. Like we have our criteria. And if it doesn't fit those, that's not a good plan. That's not a good idea. We can't be doing that. But most people don't have that. They're like, how do I land more clients? I mean, you can land more clients, but I'm not sure if you're going to be happy with your life. So, you know, like what kind of clients do you want to work with? My first piece of advice, and this is the only blanket statement I'll ever give, don't work with broke people. <laughs> it's a good piece of advice. That's the only one I'll ever give on the client thing, because you know what? A broke person, you'll invoice them for like four or 500 bucks, and they'll send you a big email back saying, this is going to change both our lives, and I can't wait for this stuff. And I'm like, now we're going to talk every week. And he's just like, what? Then you send a 5,000 invoice, and someone's going to say, thanks, paid. Yeah. You know? So that's what I mean by, you know, building a business. Like, you really need to think about what you want to do how you want to live your life, like what your day should look like. Asking yourself just how do I get clients is, you know, it's a very basic question. And I get that. Initially, I completely understand, but you need to have more than that. It's a a simple question with a a complicated answer, isn't it? Because there are lots of different channels and ways to attract customers these days. So you've got to figure out exactly where those people are that have got the money to pay you, where they hang out, and be starting the engagement there. It's interesting because, you know, the show is all about, you know, how conversation helps. And sometimes it is about getting back to the nitty gritties of the right questions to ask. And if you want to be an entrepreneur, there's a certain amount of risk taking that you've got to do in order to get there that only you will know whether it's the right thing to do. doesn't matter how many polls you do on LinkedIn. It doesn't matter how many people on Twitter you ask, you know, what would you do, A, B or C? You know the answer already. Why ask for validation? But that's what most people want. Yeah. Most people want leaders and most people want someone that's going to give them permission. So I often do have these emails or people reach out to me. And ask me, you know, some big question around, you know, whatever niche business. And all I respond is like, whatever you want, you've got my permission. And often they're just happy with that. Like, I don't even answer those questions because like I said, I can't, I really can't. I just give them permission. I'm like, you got this. You got my permission. Like whatever choice you make, you'll be fine. And if you're not, you'll figure it out. I love the concept that at the age of seven, we knew Mm -hmm. what we were going to be as an adult. You know, we could project and see into the future at our clearest when we're seven years of age. And yet we still, uh, no matter what age in adult life, still try to predict the future. We can't do it. We haven't got that. It's funny, but it's it's true. It's completely Mm. true. I knew exactly what I wanted to be. I had three goals and I completed two and one was just not realistic, so I dropped it. Does it mean to say that it will stay dropped or is it something that still might happen? It's going to happen if I'm rich enough. So it's still a goal. Yeah, but I I dropped it as a career, right? So it was just three things. I want to go into space. I want to start a business and do music. And the space thing just wasn't realistic for, you know, the the whole schooling and educational thing. I came from Poland to the US. The music, I figured I got to do early because I was doing hip hop, which is a young men's game. Like you got to be angry and damaged to be successful. (laughs) (laughs) So, you know, I did in my 20s. Then the business took over. And now with all of these space trips happening, you know, Bezos and 
and Elon yeah. and all this stuff, the, the touristry, actually, I looked at it. I was like, you know what? I can actually afford a ticket now, but I just wouldn't pay yet. But if I'm a bit richer, yeah, I might just take them up on that offer and go into space as well. But you're right. It was exactly when I was around seven years old that those were the three things I just wrote on my um, bedroom wall, actually. Yeah. Yeah. I just, just the things I want to do. There you go. So I will challenge the listeners then to send us what they wanted to be at seven years old. I'd love to hear what they think. Yeah, that would be super interesting. That's actually a question I'm going to start asking people now. <laughs> and it sort of links into where I was taking it was that in lots of instances as an entrepreneur and wanting to scale a business or start a business, start up, scale up, shake up, whatever you want to call it, there's an emotional intelligence that's needed behind what you do, which is even if you have to rationalize it out with logic, your gut will still be what you return to. Yeah. Just proving yeah, the case much. for it. So yeah. if you think it's a good idea and you feel it's a good idea, you know, if you've got that kind of anchor in your stomach, do it. What harm will it do? It depends again. It really <laughs> depends. You know, I, I've seen people do things which I always ask myself, how did they think this was a good idea? <laughs> there, there's a lot of these things that, that I see, especially in business. You know, like the most attractive things are usually short-term hustles, you know, because we see other people doing it, making a lot of money quickly, and the media starts pumping it up. Yeah. You know, like a lot of people don't actually belong in business, but they've watched enough business porn on TV that they just think they want to be a boss lady or this, you know, big boss guy or whatever, you know, whatever it is that TV just shows. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Just nonsense. But a lot of it is actually not a good idea based on their personalities. You know, someone that's undecided, anxious, and unorganized, starting a business. Really? Do you think this will be something you can pull off? You can't even wash your socks, you know, and put them in the same place. I mean, I'm not one of these people that say everyone can pull it off. It's not easy. That's true. It's certainly never what you expect. It's just not easy. I mean, the thing you got to realize is there are going to be moments in your business that break the average person. When I was first starting out, the best piece of advice I got, and I think that kind of works for everyone, you know, it's not really blanket advice, but it's just the reality. If you keep doing what you're doing and you just get a little bit better, the stuff that's stopping you right now and that's breaking you will be just business as usual in one to two years. Yeah. Your skin will get thicker. You'll have more experience. And then it's like with sales. You know, when I, when I started my sales career, the first couple no's had me confused. Then the next maybe 50 had me a little discouraged. The next thousand and I didn't care anymore. There's a resilience that you build up, isn't there, naturally when you're in a, a sales environment? Uh, to me, it's partly resilience and partly just being jaded after a while. If like, you're not you just, enjoying what you do, I would agree, yeah. Yeah, yeah. But the sales careers that I've had, and I've done this on purpose, was I tried to learn how to sell things I did not want to sell. Okay. Right? Because I figured if I can sell stuff that I completely don't care about, then when I'm selling something of my own that I do care about, it is going to be extremely, extremely easy. And it is. I would agree that passion for what you do, that belief that you have for what you do means that you're not selling anymore. Yeah. Like you're now, helping people. Now I, you know, like we know what we're doing and I don't even sell. I choose who I want to work with. What do those you know, conversations look like, Tom, when you, you know, someone's going to come to me with a problem always some kind of a problem. And I, I ask them what they think that problem is because I know it's usually false, but I still like to know kind of where we're starting off. And, you know, an example, because we are doing course marketing in the agency, right? That's like our number one thing. Yeah. So they'll be like, well, our course is not selling. I'm like, yeah, of course. I mean, we know that that's why you're calling. But why did you create this? Are you even someone that should be teaching? Who are your students? What are you going to get them after they achieve this course? What are your goals for this? Is this a business for you or is it a hobby? I'm trying to figure out, one, is this person actually an expert? You know, first of all, if they are, do they have any experience teaching? 
has anyone ever went through this or have they went through this math of their system and actually accomplished what they promise? Is this going to be a business for them? Because if it's not, you're going to have a problem growing this hobby because it's not simple. It's a great income stream when it works, but it is not easy to set up. And all I'm trying to figure out is once again, is what they think they want actually what they want. And then, you know, can they deliver it? And, you know, because if the fulfillment's going to be garbage, then they're going to have a problem with, you know, retention and refunds and stuff like that. And I've seen this, but a lot of the people, again, they watched too much of this business porn and they just think courses are the best thing ever. And it's the next thing. And I want to make one. And I'm like, do you really want to make one? Or do you like the idea of having one? Mm, It's an interesting question. Certainly. I've had an online course on my to-do list for the best part of three years along with a book and a podcast. And of course, the book and the podcast have won and the online course is still sitting on the to-do list. Well, that's what to-do lists are for. (laughs) I would like to have an online course, but I don't want to have an online course that's without me, if that makes sense. Yeah. And and again, this is when we start going over what is it that you want in your life, right? Like a lot of people think they want an online course, but they actually want a boot camp that happens twice a year. And then we think about the time and they don't actually want a boot camp. They want some kind of a class, group coaching class, where they just hold one hour every week or two and control their time. Like there's a lot of variables. And I try to quickly get this out because I'm like, look, if you don't even want this business, really, why are we even talking about marketing? Because I can sell. I mean, I can sell it for you. But then, look, I had this one guy. He's like, I want to make this course. And I know it's going to sell because, you know, it's a hot topic. I've had people asking me for it. And I want to do some in-person stuff with each one of these buyer students. So I'm going to offer one hour of live coaching along with the course. I'm like, that sounds like a horrible idea. But he's like, yeah, yeah, okay, let's do it. So I was able to get him to sell 45 in the first week. After doing all the fulfillment, customer service, and 45 hours of coaching, he came back to me and saying, how do I stop? And I was like, well, I, I needed you to learn. And now we can figure it out. But I was like, fine. If you think it's a good idea, let's go. So once again, right, like you really need to think this through. And that's what I help people do. And then if I like the idea myself, if I have the clarity on how we can sell this, if I even want to work with the person, because after speaking with someone for about 15 minutes, you know whether you're going to enjoy the next month with them. Yeah, we've had this conversation on the podcast before, and we've come to the conclusion that actually you've made your mind up in the first five minutes. So I make my mind up on the person in the first five minutes, and then I need to think about the niche and if I can get clarity. And I always tell them, if I don't have clarity, you do not want me to say yes, because it's going to be a really weird road to market this thing. So, (laughs) (laughs) And there's better things you can do with your time, isn't there, right, Tom? Well, we have around eight people coming in for every spot that we can give. So... Being in a position where we actually don't, and, and we've built up enough of a nest egg over the last year, because that was my goal in that last year in business, where we don't actually have to work for two years as a business at all. So coming from that position, we have more leads that we can take on, and we actually don't need to do the work. We can really only pick the best clients. Like, if we like you, we like your idea, we like everything, like, yes. If not, then we just say sorry, and we, like, we completely have zero feelings about it. It's certainly a space that is filling up and I get frustrated when I see somebody that's, you know, it'd be like me saying, oh, I've done a year's worth of podcasting and I've been podcasting for a year. I'm going to create a course to help you launch a podcast. I know my producer, Neil, will just be going like that. Oh, no, man, not another one. Because I'm still learning. I don't think, you know, I've got the authority to be able to do that. But, you know, and I'm not just picking on podcasting. It's because I see that on a daily basis, you know, come and do my course. I'll show you how to get your podcast up and running in 14 hours. Really? (laughs) I mean, this is like a rule of thumb. Like every failed podcaster wants to do a course. Every failed yoga instructor wants to do a course. Every failed whatever you pick wants to do a course. And you can pretty quickly like single them out. Like you see it. You see it as soon as they come through, you see it in their sales copy and their video. And you're just like, yeah, it's another one. So like those guys never pass like my test for the marketing. No, no. they just don't like uh, within like a few minutes. I'm just like, it's not going to happen.
Let me tell you about my Power Up programme. An hour and a half with me and accountability later. It's by no means ever going to fix everything. But what it will do is it will allow us to find one area that's a key priority for you to implement straight away into your business and allow you to just see the other areas that you need work on. It's a great stepping stone into the 12-week building block programme. Just book a chin wag, let's have a natter and let's see how I can help you. What's your advice then for anybody listening that's thinking about creating an online course in terms of the numbers? And this is another reason why I've sort of stalled a little bit around just having a course sat on the shelf for people to just do whatever they want with it. I've put my name to it. It is my responsibility to deliver something of value enough for them to want to get to the end of that course. So what would your advice be to people who are thinking about doing a course? So, you know, with people completing stuff, it depends. It depends, right? Like if your outcome is good enough, they're going to go through the course to figure it out. But often what people don't realize is, you know, you create a course, but someone just needs one component or two, or they actually get to a piece, they figure it out themselves after that, right? Like I've, I've taken courses like that, you know, someone, you know, tried to take me on a whole path on how to scale an agency. And all I've seen was, you know, like the way they think about speaking with the prospects on the phone. And I was like, wow, that changed a lot for me. And they didn't need anything else. It's not that they did a bad job. I'm like, I'm good. Like, yeah, I'm it could be one now. piece of the puzzle. Yeah. 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 So it really depends on that. But with creating a course, there's only one path that guarantees success. Everything else is more of, you know, like I'm a celebrity, lucky influencer. Like there's a lot of different paths, but there's only one path that you guarantee a success with a course. You start with a do it for you service, whatever that is. If you want to teach podcasting, start setting up podcasts for people do it with you, then start with a do it with you service, right? So now you're teaching people a little bit, but you're also finishing a lot of the work. So it's do it for you, do it with you. Then you charge a little more and do one-on-one consultations where you don't actually do any more of the work. You're only telling them what to do and then you're just giving feedback. Mm-hmm. And you do that long enough until you produce a method that works for every single consultation that you do. From then, you're going to have too many people wanting consultations. So you try to do a group coaching method using what you've learned. So you've got this thing that works every single time, but now you're just using it on more and more people. And the next step from that is for a lower price than your group coaching is you release an online program for all the people who want to get in but can't afford it. And if you use this path every single time, you're going to have a success. And most people skip it. Most people are basically public speakers or someone that's got a lot of theory and they skip this do it for you, do it with you, one-on-one coaching. They go straight from my notice to let's go do group coaching and online courses. And most of them fail miserably. And it happens the most with public speakers and coaches and educators. Because what they don't realize, and this is mostly for the public speakers and educators, that anytime they spoke, someone else got asses in those seats. If they were teaching at Harvard, Harvard was the one who put asses in those seats and made sure they listened to you so they can complete the certificate or, you know, credits to get a degree. If you're a public speaker, the organizer, that's a traffic and conversion summit, they made sure those people got in those seats and then they had nothing to listen to. So they came to your thing or they just like you, but you didn't do it yourself, right? So what happens these theories that they speak at those conferences, at the schools, they try to sell those. They're not proven. Theories are what they are, you know, theories for the most part. And now you got to put people in the seats and there's a huge disconnect because there's no system. There's no real proven outcome and you have no clue how to get people to listen to you because all you've ever done is got put on a stage or in front of a crowd. And these are the people that got hit the most during COVID, especially public speakers. You know, you can't imagine. And they all wanted to create courses and a lot of them struggled extremely and you know a lot of these conversations just came down to me explaining to them like look you think of yourself much higher than what you really bring to the table you're like a guy that loves gucci but has an h&m budget 
it's the impulsive purchase when you see somebody speak, isn't it? There's the excitement of a crowd. You know, a lot of them actually use that and they'll have people running like Dan Kennedy was amazing at this. And a lot of the MLMs are great at this. They have people running to the back of the room signing up. And some of them will just run because they're like, I don't want to miss out on this. You know, the speaker's up there, there's lights, music, a lot of, you know, excitement, people saying that's very, very, and you got to remember, someone already put those asses in seats. Yes, there's money to be made, isn't there? But I'm just saying, so yeah. for those people, it's just more difficult, even though they think they're bringing much more to the table, where in actuality, it's those people who are performing the service, like your producer editor, for, for example, he's running your podcast. He's already started on the path of eventually being able to, able to have an online course. And it would make sense for him. But I mean, there's quite a few more steps, you know, that he needs to take to really make sure it's like a no brainer. I'll get him to talk to you, Tom. Because <laughs> I know it's on his, uh, on his 90 day plan. <laughs> it might take a little more than 90 days unless yeah, you're no, doing like group moved. coaching. And that's kind of an, another point really we should make that a 90 day plan is not something that I stick to. My creative brain doesn't allow me to stick to something. But the point is that you can have a 90 day plan and want to create an online course. But when you start to break that down, you could do one small thing towards that online course. It doesn't mean to say that you've got to create the whole thing. You could break it down and, and it could take three years of thinking about how I want that to be for me. Okay, let, let me help you with this because this is, again, one of these blanket things that the industry keeps saying, like, build a course. And I'll, uh, you don't need to build a course. You don't. Here's what we usually do with people who come to me and say, like, Tom, you know, I'm thinking about building a course. You know, I need your help marketing. I was like, well, thank God you haven't built it because we don't know that it's what people will actually want. Right. So okay. instead, we have a much different path. We say, why don't you try selling a four week or six week, whatever, live bootcamp? You know, again, think about yourself. So you're going to set one hour live of your time, let's say on a Friday or Saturday, and you're going to sell an agenda, an outcome. You're not selling modules. You're not selling anything like that yet. And as you get into your first module, you know, you're going to have a hundred people or so. And you're going to go through the initial part of the lesson. And at the end, you say, look, I'm thinking of teaching these following things next week. Is this what you all want to learn to get to that outcome? And it might take you three or four iterations of this, but the people will actually build this course with you. Okay. Yeah, you, I get you. Yeah, yeah. You now have a really well-tweaked course because you've done a couple of iterations. You've got testimonials and feedback. And look, if you cannot sell your lifetime to a group of 20 people, nobody's going to buy your course. Mm. But you haven't put any work in the, in the upfront. All you've done is gave an agenda. Like, for example, like I will help you create a podcast and get your first hundred listeners. I'm just giving you an agenda. And the people who want that, just join me live and I'll teach you how to do it over the next six weeks. Yeah. Right. You, you're not giving them like, you know, and in the first week, I'm going to like, don't worry about that yet because it might all change. And it might actually change in a way where like the outcome will change a little bit too. You'll start realizing people like on the side start asking you, well, how do I get this podcast to have a sponsor? How can I have someone pay me to talk? And if you can deliver, that's going to be your new outcome because that's what people want. And you just change it towards like, how do we land a sponsor? And then you just create a message audience fit. And I'll probably have to teach you how to be more entertaining because that's going to be a big piece of this. Because you need to educate and entertain to get people to listen, but you have to be in the right niche to get a sponsor, right? So you can tweak this as you go. And I've done this with quite a few people and they've all had successes. I've had much yeah. bigger problems with people who came to me saying like, I have this big course I worked on for the last year and I haven't sold any yet. And I want you to market it. And you've got to unpick it. Well, no, what happens often is like I'm starting to market and I'm going to test a lot of different things. And I realize that, you know, the audience actually doesn't want what you're selling. They want a variation of that. So you have to rebuild your course. It's, it's interesting because I don't do any online as, as, as we've been talking about, but the in-person thing, generally what they come to me thinking they've got a problem with is not what they leave solved. Yes, I can help them with what they came to me in the first place, but I'm always astonished at the byproducts that come from working with somebody because you don't know to ask for something if you don't know it exists and you don't know that it's missing. 
So this is a perfect way of being able to uncover those little sort of secret gems, I suppose. Yeah. And if you have a method that you're able to get to uncover these, you know, because you, you're going to start asking similar questions. You're going to go through a certain path. Yeah. Like even though I don't do a sales call per se, we still travel through the same path. I still, you know, ask you like similar things because I want to figure stuff out. Yeah. And that's a method. That's your method for group coaching and then an online course. Like you just need to make sure you can develop like a one-on-one method to help each person somehow in a way uncover what they need. Gosh, Tom, I didn't realize this is like a little personal coaching session, but I think it's really valuable because if I'm stuck with this, how many other people that listen are going to be stuck? Almost everyone who wants a course, they don't understand that there's a much easier and more foolproof way to build this I'm all than what everyone's proof. telling them. I'm all for mm. proof. <laughs> yeah. What they also don't realize is most of the messaging that hits them about how to build a course, it comes from software companies. And it's all marketing, isn't it? Yep, yep. It's a switch and date thing. For example, blog posts and you know webinars about how to market your course from people who've never marketed a course and are trying to sell you that their software is the best thing ever. And then at the end, you're just like, that's not really what people came here for. But that's what I've noticed, you know, all the blog posts, the advice, the tips, they're all getting it from software companies that are actually just trying to sell you their software. And one of the number one questions I find, which software should I get to build my course? I'm like, it doesn't matter. (laughs) And 99% of the time, it doesn't matter. They're hosting companies. None of them is going to help you with any type of sale marketing situation. Now, if you have fancy stuff and you need cohorts and quizzes and stuff like that, yeah, maybe you'll need to just make sure that one of them delivers it mm. in their hosting package, but they don't matter. And But that's who's giving everyone advice, right? Like uh, I usually always look like if you're hearing something like, you know, I'm going to help you be more successful with courses, who's telling you this? Is it ConvertKit because they want you on their email responder platform? Is it a webinar jam? blog post, which is like, you know, you got to do it to webinars because we sell webinar software. Like you always got to think who's giving this advice because most of it is just completely unnecessary. You can run a bootcamp with Zoom, simple emails, and just like Facebook lead. I mean, yeah, later on, obviously you want to get onto a fancier piece of software that makes things easier and more automated and stuff, but that is like not the important part of what's going to make the course successful. And I often have to switch this with beginners too. I'm like, you're all completely missing the boat here. Forget the platforms. Yeah, Do you don't have get a method hung up on works? the detail. Get hung up on the outcome. Make sure you can serve your clients and you can get clients. After that, these platforms will just be like, oh, I switched from this one to that one because, you know, something sucked or they changed something. I mean, yeah. Yeah, you see but that they, a lot in, in podcasting as well. Oh, what platform do you have? Who hosts it? No, no. Doesn't matter. It doesn't matter, really. It doesn't yeah. matter. I mean, well, this is like a very simple, like, okay, in, in podcasting, as in these platforms, I'm like, well, you should definitely control your sales page yeah, and your opt-in page. And if you're able to, the checkout process. The last thing you want is a hosting company controlling your entire sales process and where your money comes in and out, right? That's, I usually tell them. So with podcasting, like anytime I see a podcast and the person doesn't even have their own website and it's just like an anchor and stuff, I'm like, they're not serious. Neil would agree with you. <laughs> uh, it's, it's, it's like you can use it. You can use it, but you yeah. really need to control your business. Yeah. Why in the world would you build your business on someone else's sand and someone else's lease? It's online. Why would you? You know, you don't have to pay much for it. It's drawing back the curtains on, I suppose this is like a marketplace that's fairly new, certainly newer in the UK than it is in America. So there's a lot of people not understanding necessarily. And, you know, they'll follow the leader, won't they? Who they think is the leader. Which is fine. I mean, people can do what they want. But I find taking the simple and easy way out is always the wrong choice. I prefer the path that's a little overgrown myself. Like it's the path that you can control, right? Always the easy stuff is like, you know, come in here and just put in your name and write some stuff out and we'll put this out for you. I'm like, yeah, but you have no control over it whatsoever. You know, like ClickFunnels, for example, it's a great company, horrible software, but cult-like. Yeah, it's easy to set up, but it's very easy to, to get into it, paying them and have zero control 
And then when anything happens and things happen, you can't track it properly. You know, if it goes down, it goes down. Like, if, you know, say again, you don't control anything. Right. So it's very easy to get into it. And there's a lot of hype. If you go to other events, you see why people sign up and it's great, but you're building someone else's business, not yours. Yeah. I'm just thinking back to a time when I was last carried away like that. Yes. And I can uh, safely say it's worth doing your homework, isn't it, Tom? Yeah, definitely. Yes. Like we all learn this the hard way. Like I, I've set up my previous businesses when I was first starting out without thinking about control. Like, so we would like sell Facebook advertising or use the Kindle marketplace or just something else, which always came with a... It's the learning curve. Yeah, but the outcome was always bad. Like, Mm. it's always like seeing that edge of the mountain that you're eventually going to (laughs) hit. But you just just hope that it's not going to happen tomorrow. It's an analogy I use a lot, actually, Tom, is that, you know, you, you see that summit and you climb, you get to the top and you go, yay, and then you see another mountain bigger in the distance. Yeah, you go, yeah. oh, I'll just take this one for now. <laughs> yeah, but the thing is, like, that's not that bad. The problem with taking these zero control things is that businesses just simply fail and you have to start over again. It's not even just you being on the mountain and seeing a bigger one, like your mountain disappears, you know, and then it happens to a lot of people, you know, click funnels, you know, something happens like with Thinkific, Teachable, like I've seen these platforms go down for days. I've seen the checkouts break. I've seen so many things like someone's in the middle of a $10,000 per day campaign and the checkout's not working and there's nothing they can do because, you know, Thinkific's saying, you know, they haven't seen anything yet. And a day later, yeah, we have software people are working on it. Like you have zero control. Zero control whatsoever. And now with Facebook, Facebook actually wants you to own the properties that you can track. So all these ClickFunnels, Thinkific, all these platforms that you actually don't own and you can't put your own pixel on because you don't own it as a domain. You can't verify the domain in their system. You know, they're all playing with workarounds and stuff, but the tracking sucks. It sucks. And it's like the basic thing. How can you track, you know, sell things well if you can't track it properly? So every single client that I've seen, even though, you know, these platforms say everything's sort of fixed, we use our own tracking on the side and we see that it's off by like 30, 40% every single time. And that's just a basic, basic part of what we do because we focus on it. Begs the question why they don't want you to have the full analytics. Well, but that's, that's possibly another podcast. That's possibly, yeah. But the main thing, look, these platforms, they want their recurring income and they want to get their investors and they want to go public. You know, like Coursera just went public. Thinkific, I think, just went public in Canada. Teachable just made an exit like uh, maybe a year ago to a Mexican company, a bigger course learning company. Fiverr, public, and created the learning marketplace. There's money now, right? So most of these companies, they're just, look, it's all about how many subscribers do you have? What's your monthly ARR and what multiple of that can we get? You know, these are software companies. So in the beginning, it was more about just, we want to help course creators where now it's, we have shareholders, we have VCs. It's a much different game. You just got to understand that it's, it's just a part of the game. You know, you can't hate it. Play if you want to. Well, we don't really have a choice. That's just the field, right? Like, you know, if you're in business and you're getting into these spaces, you got to sort of navigate these waters. You're not going to build your own course platform when you're starting out. That'd be the dumbest thing ever. (laughs) (laughs) i've seen people with those ideas i just i'm just saying that's definitely not not the route you want to take (laughs) do you know what there should be a course on how to apply common sense (laughs) yeah i'm I'm not look look i just had a client and we have an email that we like to put at the end of an email sequence and it works for every single niche and it does well. Like basically three days after they get the last email upselling them, you know, hey, Jim, what did I do wrong? And let them get feedback, right? We've received, and this guy was so shocked. He receives feedback saying like, okay, I don't know how to enroll. So I look back through this guy's path because I can see it. We're tracking it. I'm like, okay, this guy has read every single one of your emails, went over to the sales page, which has enroll buttons like every three paragraphs and he doesn't know how to enroll. Now, it's up to you whether you answer, you want to answer this and go, 
along with this, but I would just drop it, block, report, whatever you can. <laughs> but look, these are people out there. These are, you know, like... Uh, I remember a piece of advice that I was given to, and it was basically that you have to treat every single person like a complete and utter idiot. Like they could be an alien from out of space that don't speak your language, but they can learn fast and will take time to to understand it. You have to spell everything out as plain and simply as you possibly can and it's so true yeah yeah i've I've actually used that in my copy a lot and people like are these people really that you know just trust me they are they are you need to tell them where to click how to click if it's below your video point your finger down click right there's this red thing and there's a buy now underneath you see it you see it use your mouse right cursor yep yep double click okay good seriously this is really what sells a lot of the time uh i mean it depends like which age group you're selling to as well and i find a lady like that she looks just like you know your friendly neighbor next door that could bake you a pie but she sold the dream to older people, you know, she does stocks and then sells, you know, like I'm traveling the world, you know, I don't even know how this computer works and she really doesn't. But the videos are great and she'll do that like, you know, okay, honey, just press down on the red. And look, she's at $10 million a year right now because she got her audience. She's got the message. She does have a decent concept of how these stocks work, you know, very simple advice, but she can explain it in a simple way. Yeah. You know, basically take very small losses, take bigger profits. Dude, like it's it's very simple, but in a you know she knows how to speak to her audience. She's not oh, promising first. them instant millionaire. No, she's actually not promising anything. She just keeps saying, "This is what I did." You know, this is what I've done. I've been doing it for over fifteen years. I'm horrible at tech. I don't know much. It could be if better. I can do it, you. Yeah. <laughs> she's like, if I can do it, you really can do it because I don't know. Yeah, but it's working. All her videos are very similar to that. Just very simple. You know, like I show you what this means, what that is, and click here. You know, have you clicked yet? She'll actually say that like for 20 seconds in the video, why are you still here? Go click the red, you know, like simple stuff like that. And it works on her audience. So, you know, there, there's a lot of truth to that. You know, people don't know what to do half the time if you don't tell them. Let me tell you about my Power Up program. An hour and a half with me and accountability later. It's by no means ever going to fix everything. But what it will do is it will allow us to find one area that's a key priority for you to implement straight away into your business and allow you to just see the other areas that you need work on. It's a great stepping stone into the 12-week building block program. Just book a chin wag. Let's have a natter and let's see how I can help you. I think it's time, Tom, for us to do the part of the show that I really love. Well, tell me. Where I ask every guest to come with a conversation that counted and created a turning point in their life. Conversations that count. You know what? The one that counted was the one I had with myself. Just start being ex- just start being extremely honest with yourself and with everyone you're around. If you don't want to do it, don't do it. Even if someone thinks it's a good idea, you know, like all these things. Like I'm very honest with my clients. Like my testimonial is a guy just saying, like, look, if you're gonna work with time, you need to understand. He's not gonna tell you what you want to hear, but he's gonna tell you the stuff you need to hear. Mm-hmm. And I do that same with myself. There's a lot of stuff I don't want to do. When it comes to work and, you know, personal and family, but I'm just like, you just, this is, this is what you got to do. Honestly, it's the best thing for everybody. You just got to go through with it. You know, none of this, like, you know, trying to like play games with my own head, mislead myself, do this first. And then, you know, that later, like procrastinate, just being honest with myself. And it took a while. Mm. I was always raised around people that hustled. You know, whether it's in life and business and everyone tried to do all these, like, you know, playing games and mind games and shortcuts. And, you know, everything was a little weird. Like no one was really honest with each other. And it was one of the toughest conversations. And after I've had that, like everything took off for me. Just, I was like, just stop playing around. You know, you got to get serious. Don't be one of these business dudes or ladies that say they're serial entrepreneurs, but all they've done is the same business 20 times and just have like two years of experience. To actually figure out what you want to do, be honest and stick with it. 
and do what's right. Look, if you got to fire a client because it's the best for all of you, fire them. Don't worry about the money. Just refund and go your own way. Like stuff like that, it's made a lot of difference. And don't tell people it's going to be okay when it's not. <laughs> That's another thing, right? <laughs> like, don't give like unnecessary hope. Like sometimes I'm like, look, you just got to take this behind the barn, shoot it, and you'll be much happier. Trust me. It's just, that's what happened. It was a very, you know, and that's when I looked at the name of your podcast, I actually thought about that. It was the first thing I thought about. Most people are not honest with themselves and then they can't be really honest or successful with anyone else. It's so true that conversations that I have with a lot of people is if you can't do it for yourself, how on earth can you really be invested in anybody else? Yeah. Yeah. It's like, you know, that thing on the airplane, you know, Everyone fears it, but you got to put your oxygen mask on first. Yeah. Like what I find, and it's with my family too, like ever since I've became, I guess they would say successful, but I'm more at peace. I call it more at peace. Because the only thing that success really does for you is it just, you just don't worry about a lot of stuff. You know? Success is measured in different ways, isn't it? And I don't think it's about a bank account or. No, uh, but a lot of it is, it transfers into like a peace of mind. Like I don't worry about a lot of stuff. You know, if I'm sick, I go pay for the best doctor. If I need this done, I have enough of a network to help me with it. If my parents need something, I can give it to them. But I can be much more objective and empathetic since I don't really need anything per se. Like if I meet with someone, I, I never need anything. Like I never pitch stuff on podcasts. I, just, I don't need anything from anyone really. You know, if I do, I hire them to do it. And it makes everything so much easier, you know, long-term. Like, uh, just when I deal with people, like when I go visit, like, old friends from school even, like, there's no agenda ever on my side. I'm just like, I'm just happy everyone's here. Like, I don't, I don't need anything from anybody. It's a sort of monastic life, really, when you take it back to being so simple. This is what you see why, like, a lot of the government policies are so weird in a lot of countries. Because we have, like, 60 and 70-year-old people in charge who all want to take it back to the simple life that they had when they started. And a lot of the laws, when they don't make sense, you, you look at them and it's like, yeah, this is just an old person that really wants to like have a simple life again. But you, you kind of can't on a broad scale like that. Like, you know, when you even use the phrase artificial intelligence, you, you can't put that into a simple life. It doesn't work, but I understand it. I get it. I find, you know, like a, a lot of celebrities that I worked with, because I, I worked in the music industry for a while, like the more successful they were, the more like simplistic everything became. You know, it was the ones coming up, always like super ambitious and wanting more and unhappy with stuff. But like the ones that made it, like you could see it. That was a lot of peace, a lot of peace behind there. But I think that's what kind of success does, because you're just, you're not needy anymore. Yeah. Goals and aspirations. But even if you don't meet them, when you already have enough, like, it's not like leaving check to check. It's not like when you think, like, if this doesn't come through, my business is going to fail. Like, I, I'm just like, yeah, I got goals, but I mean, either way, I'll be fine. I think that does affect mindset a lot, doesn't it, when you live in check to check, because it kind of paralyzes your creativity to get on and be doing what you're good at doing. We're not all money managers, are we? You know, it's not a natural that's, thing. That's, yeah, that's a big piece too that comes later. Like I, I had a lot of friends recently who sold their businesses and life-changing money. And yeah, now some of them are working full-time trying to figure out how not to lose it. Because it's very different when you, like people think, you know, I make like one or two or $5 million in my bank account, I'll be happy. Then you quickly realize how little that actually is. If you really have big goals. And uh, be how, it does become relative, doesn't it? It becomes relative. Yeah. yeah. But the big part of that is you also don't realize just how much more stressful it is not having that monthly income. If you have the money in the bank and a monthly income, very different story. But when they start losing that one piece and it's only the money in the bank now, it's like with investing. I like to play with stocks, but the money that I play with, I can lose. I would not even care at all. Now, if, if I was doing it full time, and that was my only way of making an income, I don't think I would like it much anymore. No, because you're seeing that piece of pie shrink, aren't you? Whether it's making or shrinking, like this is my only thing, right? Like I'm putting all my eggs in that basket yeah. now. So that's, yeah, that's a big thing too. You know, like that success path of exits, I'm seeing a lot of people trying to fill that void now. Like some are just bored out of their mind too. I don't think I ever want to retire. 
top. <laughs> the thought of it just like fills me with, what do I want to do to enjoy myself? Oh God, do you know when you get so much fulfillment and satisfaction from what you do, regardless of getting paid for it, if what you're doing is fulfilling you, why would you want to stop? Just don't understand. <laughs> but maybe it's because I'm still a young spring chicken. Usually the people that I see, they're around like 50, 55, 60. That's the ones like doing the exits. They're, they're, they're a lot of them around me. And yeah, a few of them just go crazy into golf or something. Yeah, they just pick a hobby and go just as hard as they did in their business. But I do find that it does impact quite a few of them by just losing that monthly check. You know, they, they see like, yeah, I got a couple million, but I mean, it's not, you know, it's not what I thought. They, they don't have that feeling like I thought this was going to be a little more, you know, like uh, fulfilling than it really is. Mm. Maybe their exit strategy needs to change and they need to have oh. monthly checks still. Yeah, that's not really how exits work. <laughs> <laughs> not the point of an exit, is it? No. That's not really how they work. <laughs> but no, Tom, I think you're absolutely right. I mean, honesty um, has got to be the best policy to yourself and t- to everybody else in what it is that you're doing. So I think that's a really valid point. I really appreciate you bringing that to me today. It's a good reminder. It's a good reminder for everybody. We always encourage people to carry on the conversation afterwards. I know that I've invited you to do the letter to listeners. We'll put all your socials up on uh, the show notes. And I think you've got some links to share as well on that are free resources for people to come find out and check out what it is that you do uh, and how you can help them. Yeah, I've only sent them because you asked. Normally, I never. I asked very like nice. <laughs> <laughs> but the whole point is to carry on that conversation. And I'm pretty sure that you've imparted such a lot of valuable advice today that I do hope that people do reach out to you, Tom. Thank you so much for your time. Sounds good. Thanks for having me, Wendy. Now you've listened to Tom's story. I'm pretty sure that you'll be thinking about your own aspirations as a seven-year-old child. For me, I wanted to be a teacher or a policewoman. And as my youngest daughter reminds me, I have managed to do the teaching bit through my telemarketing training. So that seven-year-old inner self really does connect with you as a grown-up. But of course, Tom wants to go to space. And who knows, he may well still do that. However, Continue to follow the show because next week we're bringing a lady who has touched the heavens not once but twice because she has climbed the mountain. Winners never quit is a terrible maxim. You should absolutely quit.